there's something bloody afoot. Stay tuned. You've tuned in to When Your Mind Becomes the Scene of the Crime Podcast. I'm Dr. Linda F. Williams. I take survivors of abuse and trauma from pain to purpose so that you take back your power, tap into the truth of who you are, and live your best life now. We're all familiar with the Cinderella story. What little girl doesn't grow up wanting to be a princess? Cinderella. We want to put that costume on for Halloween. We want to play her in the play. But the story that we've come to know is so different from the story the way it was in the 1800s version. Now, I want to talk about one aspect of that story, which is the shoe. That shoe, that shoe, no matter how many iterations since before Christ that there have been in however many cultures, they all had to do with the shoe. Now, in the original 1800 Grimm's Brothers version of this, which is the version I'll be talking about going forward, we know that the stepsisters, when the prince came by trying to fit this shoe, we know that the stepsisters tried to shove their big feet in that shoe. They spent their whole lives trying to steal Cinderella's destiny. Okay, And when it came down to fitting this shoe, they were going to do it anyway. Now, they were totally unaware in this version that she had even gone to the ball. They looked at her. She was the most beautiful thing. She had gone to the ball three times, three days in a row, all three times. None of her family recognized her. But regardless, they wanted to marry the prince who didn't dance with them behind one time in all three days of the ball. Okay? So, long story short, in the real version, these girls maimed themselves trying to fit in somebody else's shoe. One of them lopped off a toe got her foot into the shoe, limped her happy hiney out to the carriage with the prince, and when they were on their way, the prince noticed that there was blood all over the floor. I don't think so. We turn around. We They go back to the house. The other sister cuts off her heel gets her foot into the shoe, and off they go. He looks down again. Oh, my goodness, there's some more blood. Something bloody was afoot. Pun intended. Take her back. He insists, is there anybody else in this house? They try to tell him no. We got one girl, see, she, she, she's kind of deformed, and uh, she's upstairs, she's the maid, and she doesn't need to come down. Thank heaven, the prince insisted that they go get this girl, okay? They bring her downstairs, and she easily slips her foot in that shoe. Now, the question remains, what's the big deal about this shoe? 
How many women in the United freaking States can wear a size 11, a size 7, a size 6, a size 8, a size 9? Not everybody walking this earth, everyone walking this earth is having handmade shoes. So why is it that Cinderella was the only person who could fit this shoe? Well, in the 1800s version, one of the things that they did wrong to her after they took all of her clothes and made her the maid and took her out of her bed and made her sleep by the ashes was they forced her to wear wooden shoes. Wooden shoes. Now, if you wear a wooden shoe for all of those years, your foot is not going to grow, okay? Her foot did not grow. Okay, you say, well, okay, so her foot didn't grow. Whatever size this shoe was, and she was a grown woman, still some kid could have fit the shoe, probably, but he wasn't looking for some kid. He was looking for a woman, right? So, one of the hardships that she endured was one of the very things that set her up for her destiny. Did you catch that? If it hadn't been for that trauma, she would not have had a foot a different size from any other woman in the kingdom. So only her foot would fit that shoe. Okay, Linda, so what so what? How did what they got to do with me? This has got everything to do with all of us. One thing that we do as women, traumatized or not, is we see somebody else with something and we try to emulate that. I wanna be like her. Uh, I out from a marketing standpoint, I'll just tell you what what it was with me. Millions of people out there in front of Lamborghinis and, and the big mansions talking about they earned all this. I make it a hundred million dollars a year. Whatever. Their whole motivation and their whole selling point was what they had accomplished, which turned out to be fake anyway. They'd written these mansions and just stand in front of rented cars trying to make me think that they're a guru to tell me how to get somewhere. And I stopped falling from that for that the day that I recognized that whatever way their journey went is not my journey. I could sit here and try to emulate step by step Everything they did to get there or telling me that they did to get there and it would fall on deaf ears. Just it would fall flat for me. I finally gave the heck up because guess what? First of all, my motivation is not big cars and big mansions and millions of dollars. My motivation and what drives me is every life changed because I opened my mouth and tell others about how I did the goofy, the stupid mistakes I made, and, and how I walked through my healing. That's it. And so I don't want to talk to a hundred people every day. They call them leads, okay? Just to say that I talked to a hundred of them and statistics says at least one or two of them might sign up. My deal is people who need this 
need what my shoe, the people that need the shoe I wear, they'll have to see that and they'll have to determine that and make that connection with me and, and I'm going to be here for them whenever they do. So I can't wear that millionaire's shoe. I can't wear his size. I can't walk his path. And neither can you. Because see, this is the deal. There's somebody out there, okay, that needs what only you can offer. What only you can bring to the table. What only the shoe that you wear can bring. And those people are doing without as long as we're out here trying to wear somebody else's shoe. This played out in my life for real. I'll tell you what, when I was in Chicago, I found, uh, I lived on the Gold Coast. I had a little studio apartment there because it was close to the recording studio, Universal Recording Studio, and I could always walk to the studio because I was writing for the Shy Lights, okay? So I found this little resale shop, might have been a Goodwill or something, and I found this brown pair of shoes, and I just thought they were so lovely. And I put my foot in it, and I said, oh my goodness, this shoe fits. Every shoe that fits isn't for you. So I got the shoes and everything, and I got up the next morning, and I put those shoes on, and I had a little walk to get to the bus stop to get to my good government job that I had at the time, okay? And when I started walking in those shoes, it just wasn't feeling right. My, my gait was wrong, and, and, and it's almost like the shoes kept trying to slip around and slide around. They were my size. But somebody else had worn those shoes and broken those shoes in according to how they walked. And once those shoes were broken in according to how they walk, it didn't matter how much they fit me, they were not going to work for me. And every time I'm, I kept trying to wear those shoes, every time I would wear those shoes, I would almost break my ankle because they were fitting fine, they were looking beautiful, but somebody else had broken them in. Don't try to wear somebody else's shoes. Every one of us out here has a reason that we're here and we're supposed to be divine connections for others who are coming along beside us or behind us. That we need to grab them by the hand and bring what only our experience can bring. So whatever you went through and however you made it through that and how much you healed, whatever it is that's uniquely you, is your shoe to wear. And nobody else walking this earth, even if it's the same size shoe, nobody else walking this earth can bring to the table what only you can bring to this table. I just want you to think about that. We don't need to compare ourselves to other people. I, You are all and more than enough for what you're here for, the reason you breathe, and for the people you're a divine connection for. You are more than enough. And you're all somebody out there needs because you are a divine connection for someone else. Now, I'm going to put a link to a video here about uh, a horse, of all things, beautiful Jim Key. And I go into detail about some things about a book called Beautiful Jim Key and how that plays into us realizing that we are unique and beautifully created for just the reason we breathe. 
In the meantime, I'm Dr. Linda F. Williams, and always remember that your greatest power is realized in the truth of who you are. Know that truth. Thank you for joining us today for When Your Mind Becomes the Scene of the Crime podcast. To contact Dr. Linda, just go to whoseapple.org. That's W-H-O-S-E-A-P-P-L-E dot org.